Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. This is one of our deep dive episodes, and we are going to be deep diving into five years of awakening. Force Awakens trailer, five years of Force Center. Can't wait to discuss it. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsock, and man, time she flies. We even mentioned this on the news this week, talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi struggling with aging on Tatooine. This is us not struggling. 
looking back at uh, where we've been, where we, we might be going and what we've learned and just Star Wars in general over the last five years. Man, Joseph, when you really stop and think about it, that is uh, it's a blink of an eye. But wow, a lot, a lot to look back on. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is amazing how fast the time goes. But to realize this kind of first new era, this uh, mm. first step on our journey into a Disney era Star Wars is complete, and we're heading into that next generation is shocking. <laughs> shocking indeed. Shocking indeed. Uh, before we get to all that, though, as always, we are, want to remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a thirty day free trial at audibletrials.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We always like to do a Force Center Recommends. And Joseph, great choice this week. Tell the world. (laughs) We are recommending a book that came out a long time ago. A long time. It's called Before the Awakening by Greg Rucka. One story about Ray, one story about Poe, one story about Finn. And it tied in neatly to our theme today. So go check out Before the Awakening. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. We are going to get into our own awakening, <laughs> the awakening of, uh, of the, the Force Awakens. So you had written down, we pulling back the curtain, we've been keeping a list of ideas for the deep dive show. You had written down, uh, being smart, looking ahead at the calendar, of wanting to celebrate when the final Force Awakens full trailer came out and also being wanting to celebrate when we started the podcast. And they were both basically right around this week. So we thought, why not uh, put those topics together and discuss both of them at once? Because they're kind of tied together, at least in in our personal journey. So for people who are not, you know, just uh, obsessed with calendars, five years ago this week, uh, these two fun things happened. Fun things happened. The main Force Awakens trailer premiered, and we started this very podcast channel, Force Center. Uh, the first teaser trailer came out on Thanksgiving, November 28, 2014. Then that second teaser with Chewie, We're Home, came out during Star Wars Celebration, April 16th of 2015. But that final full trailer that came out the same day that the tickets went on sale, that was October 19th, 2015. And we heard for the first time Han Solo say, it's true, all of it. So we're going to talk about that trailer in the first half of the podcast. Then we're going to talk about our journey with Force Center in the second half. Let's start with that trailer. What are your memories, Ken, of that day uh, that the first full trailer came out, that the tickets were on sale? Uh, what was your reaction to the trailer, to getting the tickets? Where were you? All that stuff. It was, uh, I was working. And this is, um, it's so to hear you lay out the time frames. I was also working a Thanksgiving day, Black Friday, actually, during that uh, time period. That's when I had the old security job where I'd work 31 straight hours and sleep on my office floor. And I remember my assistant director and I, Jason, uh, huddling over watching uh, that teaser trailer. And then just flash forward just a little while later, here I am in the uh, lobby or the kitchen of Defy Media with Hal Rudnick. And we were tasked to stay late, watch that football game, a, a tough job, I know, and then wait for the Star Wars trailer and then jump in and do a video. And for me, that just it was a different era of, of, you know, different jobs and everything had switched. And so I was so pulled in by like, wow, this is my quote unquote job now, which was, and, you know, I show you the tax returns. I, I, that was a job. Um <laughs> Someone questioned me that one time, like, eh, it's not a job. I did receive money. Um, so, like, it was, it, I was just, it was 
beyond anything. You know what I mean, Joseph? It's like this. I couldn't go back to 1983. I'm living a daydream. I'm living yeah. a daydream. And we'd already seen the teaser trailers, which are two just great teaser trailers. And I remember Mike Tirico of ESPN is cutting back and we're doing the, and the games going. I'm a football fan, but it's like it was one of those games. It was just like ah, third and two and they're calling a timeout and incomplete pass. The clock stopped. Just get to halftime. Get to halftime. <laughs> and it happens I just right when they Mike Tirico, you know, the logos up for Force Awakens. I just I was not overwhelmed, like tears or mo- just like, man, I, we are going to really, really. For the first time, we'd already seen enough, but for the first time, get start getting some context of new Star Wars, and I couldn't believe it. And that split second before it happened, I was like, I was very aware that uh, this all changes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that everything changes after this trailer. Yeah, I mean, because definitely the first two gave us a lot, but this trailer was really different um, in, in ways we'll talk about. But for you, when you were sitting there in that uh, Defy office. Um, you you had uh, been doing Jedi Alliance on the Popcorn Talk Network, uh, and that's you know where yes. we had done some of our first Star Wars talking. You had left by then. I was uh, co-hosting mm-hmm. Jedi Alliance at that point, so uh, that didn't pay. <laughs> so I was uh, having it uh, be yeah. a part of my experience, but <laughs> I, I wasn't. I was getting paid yet for my valuable Star Wars talking. Uh, but experiencing this in a slightly different way because it's now just not just my personal experience mm-hmm. and processing my personal experience uh, to share it with other fans as a as a host in a in a Star mm-hmm. Wars talking person. But you're sitting there in uh, the offices of Defy, uh, working for Screen Junkies, mm-hmm. about to go in and record something about this. When you first saw this trailer, were you seeing it as a fan or were you seeing it more from that, like, I got to put on my uh, entertainment journalist hat and process it as somebody who's going to get paid to talk about Star Wars? Great question, because I saw it as a fan and you mentioned Jedi Alliance and we we can't skip over that part in in our shared journey as Star Wars uh, friends. I mean, it's where you and I really, uh, you know. Uh, started working together, and then uh, you and uh, Donica had that show after uh, uh, I had wrapped up on it and mod before me. So yeah, that's part of our and, and journey. And I think back going back to Jedi Alliance, it was like, wow, we're just a bunch of fans on an internet show, being fans with y'all, uh, which is always my vibe. And I was going into that trailer with with Hal Rudnick standing next to me, thinking I'm a fan. I will I, but I'm bringing that fan energy to it. And things did start to change after that. Not necessarily just with me, but just like the expectations of what you were supposed to do when you sat down to talk about it. Predictions and and what this means and all that kind of stuff. Where I I, I don't I don't have the video available that I that I did that night without. I just it was like this is great, right? And then you started to hear some people like, no, not great. I'm not talking about the movies. Just people already just upset. the trailer. Yeah, people already starting to get upset or dubious and cynical. Look, coming out of the prequel era, I get it. But, but so to your point, like I approached that particular video and night as, wow, this is amazing. I'm a lifelong fan and I get to finally talk about it and share this with everybody. And slowly parts of that started to erode around us. And, and it, Force Center is all about taking that fan approach first. But you know what I mean? It started, and this is years before Last Jedi, but just like, it, it, what I felt I needed to say on camera started to change after this. 
Mm, this was this was the beginning of uh, needing to be aware of the dark side. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, yes, and but also just like you know, the plague of staff running joke of of those who you predicted that Ray was carrying Plagueis's staff, which you know I was in on because you looked at the figure and the toy, and you're like, that's Plagueis's staff. I mean, from the other toy, the the black series figure that i had you know like that's it you know and then you have all your theories about what that means and never asking why just ask just putting out what's and how's but never asking why and we're going to talk about how stuff changed particularly for me but uh um going forward maybe even in the rogue one trailer which by then i'd switch companies but it was just like i need to find 32 easter eggs that prove i didn't miss a thing and that's that wasn't as fun yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, but that night you were able to see it in both lights. You were able to watch it as a fan and oh. as a getting ready to pull out the Easter eggs that people might have missed. Totally, totally. And then just what what's what's coming, right? You know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- I, this was such a great time in Star Wars fandom in general. I think, and uh, for myself, it was really fun to be able to. You know, have started uh, being a guest every once in a while on Jedi Alliance, and then it, that was so joyful and fun that I wanted to take it over, and then that led mm-hmm. to us starting uh, the Force Center podcast. Uh, and it was, I think, a time where I was definitely aware of um, Jedi Alliance was an, a, a positive show, and for the most part, great uh, fans. But it was mm-hmm. on YouTube, and I had seen some of the oh wow, oh okay, <laughs> some people are super not on board with x y and z and they are very uh they don't use nice words and they use them in all caps got it that's a part of this so i was aware (laughs) of that but it was not but i think there was there was more excitement from my perspective about the force awakens having grown up uh with the original trilogy a lot of the people i grew up with you know didn't like the prequels they had their laundry list of why they didn't like them by this time i'd really come around to uh, I always enjoyed the prequels by this time had really uh, come around to enjoying them and sharing with other people why I enjoyed them. Uh, but for a lot of people, this was they, Hey, it's the original cast is back. The original flavor of star Wars is back. And I think there was such excitement uh, about that. So it was nice to be a part of that. And then uh, th- I had talked about on Jedi Alliance and uh, yeah, on Jedi Alliance about the other trailers Um but this one was kind of like the big one. Tickets were on sale. It was really happening. Uh, and I remember the thrill of the trailer itself and all of the uh, emotions and the idea of what it meant. But then uh, I was also really stressed about getting the damn tickets. Right. And um, I locked myself out of uh, my apartment. It is the only time I've ever done it. I had to like go meet i think i had to pick something up at the grocery store i had to meet somebody at one of the restaurants uh, down the block for me for just a minute and i remember just like i can't get home uh so i'm just gonna sit here with the beer and really hope i make it in time <laughs> and made it home in time just barely for the actual uh trailer and then you know there was such enthusiasm that you know i couldn't get the ticketing sites to load at all I texted my wife and she went and like, I'm going to leave work a little bit early and I'll stop at the theater and just physically ask a human for tickets. And that worked and we got them. And just like, uh, I will always remember both like the thrill and the stress of that night of Star Wars is back. And it is so popular after years of for myself, not getting to be around younger people who love the prequels, but around people my same age who are so grumpy about them. 
Mm. Star Wars is back and everybody's so excited about it that I can't get tickets. And I'm so excited I locked myself out of my damn house uh, <laughs> is a, a great and fun memory. That's um, I kind of rem- I mean, I definitely I remember uh, Sarah speaking to a human. I remember you told me that story. <laughs> I, had the, I, I kind of remember the lockdown of the apartment, but that, that's craziness. Yeah, it was because it, for five years, five years in terms of ticket purchasing technology is different. <laughs> it's yeah. not as, it's it's a little less stressful now. Maybe not. Maybe I don't know. But back then it was like, oh boy, uh, we're not waiting in line at a theater to go get tickets like like Revenge of the Sith. Like we, we this is new. This is different. Even though other films, MCU, all that kind of stuff. Yes, but for Star Wars, that was new. Oh yeah, no, I only got into the Phantom Menace midnight screening because I had a friend who waited in line, and they had you know for like days, and they had that like you can buy five tickets, you know, and I was one of my mm-hmm. friend's tickets. Like yeah, amazing. And then go all the way forward to Rise of Skywalker. You and I were uh, at your place uh, waiting to watch the trailer, uh, the you know final full trailer for Rise of Skywalker, and I was just like on my phone. It was like I like I think I had my uh, iPad with me too for backup, and just like boop bop bing done, got it. Okay, no problem. You know, yeah, and it might be about the demand, but it might also be about the infrastructure of the yeah. the picketing. Well, yeah, because I mean, so you know, this is not too long ago. And my brain's already fuzzy on it, but did, like, didn't it? Like, they the tickets were already open up at some theaters, right before the quote unquote time. Like, you yes. go, oh, go here, boom, here you go. Um, that's, that's the other thing is I just I was like such a, a goody two shoes back in these Force Awakens days that I was like, they said that they would be available after the trailer. And like because I was part of it is like they were available like two hours earlier and everybody bought them. <laughs> and I was too dumb to refresh. And like, yeah, so I was like refreshing all day. and Like, yep, yeah. got them. Yeah. So I think they, they opened up like an hour before the actual trailer and uh, mm-hmm. for Rise of Skywalker. And I got them. So um yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about the trailer itself. Uh, like like I said, they got that really short um, Thanksgiving Day one where you saw BB-8. We you know the Snoke. Uh, there has been an awakening. The light side, the dark uh, side, and we saw Kylo and the the tri saber as people were calling it at the time. At least some people and we, the and the light and the Falcon. Uh, and then we got the. Um, Next teaser at Star Wars Celebration, which had the voiceover from Luke about uh, the Force runs strong in my family. You have that power too. Ended with the Chewie, we're home. I remember the episode of Jedi Alliance where we talked about that. Uh, Super powerful. Um, So we'd already seen a decent amount. But then this trailer comes out and it is kind of different and really impactful. Uh, What was different and impactful about this uh, final full trailer? It was, you would seen so many images and even, you know, Han does say that line while walking onto the Falcon. Oh my gosh. But this is, this is a trailer and you're seeing characters moving and walking around Star Wars. You know, <laughs> we thought maybe it was Tatooine, but we're seeing that character. Was it Kira? Was it Ray? We're, well, I think it's Ray now walking on sand. You're seeing, uh, you know, the man we now know is Finn, you know, in a stormtrooper outfit, disrobing. Uh, you're seeing Kylo Ren on a Star Destroyer. So it was like this. Not, 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 it's not just imagery. We are seeing what we are going to get. And that go- I can't use I can't find the words to really describe that to me as a fan. Even now when I'm seeing Rise of Skywalker or when, I, you know, the Mandalorian trailer, just like, oh, my gosh, that exists. And I don't know what it means yet, but I get to see in a short amount of time and it blows my mind every time it pulls me in like a 10 year old and that this trailer was that it was like oh there's x-wings but like 
now I'm really seeing why why they're flying over the water and what they're fighting and everything like that. And I get I get pulled in by that stuff. Yeah, like more story context. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of stuff was a little bit more uh, quick, quick scene, uh, quick half a second and flashes in previous trailers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think for me that all of these trailers are incredibly effective, incredibly uh, impactful. Um, Chewie, we're home. So, so incredibly powerful. Uh, Like that, that first Thanksgiving one, we see BB-8. So we see some kind of new things, but it's like, it's Mm -hmm. the Falcon. The Falcon is back, the dark side and the light. And, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is uh, nostalgia based, which, which uh, is, I think, a part of it uh, on very much on purpose, both the trailers and the film. Um, but this one really focused on not only is this the nostalgia of Chewie were home of Luke Skywalker saying, you know, you have that power too. the force runs strong in my family. You have that power too. Who is he speaking to? That's all from that second trailer. This one gets into just as much as the nostalgia of the old and the return of that original flavor of Star Wars it also reminds you that we're telling a new story because this is the one where we get voiceovers in uh, little bits of dialogue that highlight Ray, Finn, Kylo of the who are you is the way it starts. And Ray says, I'm no one. We see all the clips of her. Uh, I believe we move to uh, Finn next. And he yeah. basically says, you know, I don't know what I'm fighting for. We move to Kylo and he says to his grandfather's helmet, I will finish what you started. So it gives us these offers of what you're t- t- uh, talking about, like, the actual storytelling, but particularly that these new characters have all of this uh, baggage, that they're going on these new adventures and we don't really know what they are. So you've got the new, right? And then uh, we've had nostalgia before with uh, with all those different things. With Chewie, we're home in the second one. But with this one, with Han Solo saying, it's true, all of it, you know, the dark side, the light, the Jedi, it's all real. It has this immense power and validation of, have you been a Star Wars fan for a long time? Have you bought action figures? Have you, you know, covered your room in stickers? Have you stood out on you know, the lawn trying to make a stick move with your hand and your mind? You were right to do that. That mm. magic of Star Wars, it's not this junky, dumb, old thing that doesn't matter. You are right to love it. It matters. These ideas matter. Everything that you ever loved about Star Wars, it's back. It's true. All of it. In coming from the guy who used to doubt it, the guy who used to say, eh, it doesn't matter. It's not real. Whatever. It's all delusions of grandeur. To just kind of look out at us and go, if you're excited right now, you should be. Because everything this has ever made you feel is true. All of it. I mean, you're right. Literally standing in the spot where he famously said it's nothing. You know, just that pull alone was was exciting. Yeah. And, and meant something. Yeah, to, to, to tag a little bit on that, going back to even me standing in that break room uh, watching it on, on uh, camera for my job, it was like a lifetime had led me to that moment, if that makes sense. And I don't yeah. mean big ego thing, just like, wow, yeah. Uh, you know, being pushed and kind of choked and because I had to return the Jedi 
shirt on in third grade and uh, being told uh, by my friends coming over to my house and literally saying, you, you, if you want to, if you want to get a girl, you, you're going to have to take all this down. <laughs> pulling my figures, literally pulling them off the shelf. Um, it just, it felt, it felt on this day, October 19th, 2015, it doesn't matter now. <laughs> this is what it led to. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, in, in the power of Harrison Ford himself too, of like the, you know, that he had been very grumpy and being like, yeah, yeah, well, I, I thought he should have died in the third one. So it had stakes and like to, for him to be like, no, not only my back, but I am the one who is reassuring the next generation that it's, it's has value and it has truth and you should be excited and leave those action figures uh, up in your room because girls like star Wars too. Damn it. Yeah. You know, and it, it feels like there's all of that uh, going on uh, and it is in the movie and it really came through in this trailer. And I think it was really balanced by also like learning a little bit more about the, the characters and seeing that they have challenges and they're going to need the guidance of a character like Han Solo. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, what what expectations uh, did you have for the movie based on that trailer that were actually met? Like you kind of thought this is what it's going to be like and you saw the movie. We've lived with it for five years now. And you're like, hey, trailer, you were right. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I always say, um, you know, I got I got asked this weekend, uh, past week on, on, on Riley's live show of like, what's your favorite Star Wars trailer? I always go to Phantom Menace. There is a guy, I just love it. I love the, the memories circling around it. And I, but I always say I love that trailer. And as much as I love Phantom Menace now, I still want to, I still watch the Phantom Menace trailer, the full one, and go, what movie? I want to see that movie because the movie I put together in my mind is really what I wanted to see. And it wasn't that, which again, might have been part of the problems. This trailer had a little bit of that. But when I watch it now and I watched it today and hell, I've even got it playing while we're talking right now with no audio on my YouTube channel here uh, watching it. It it's close, Joseph. Like not talk, not plot stuff. We, uh, you know, I think you and I thought Luke Skywalker was going to come back in the third act and save everybody. You know, uh, we hadn't seen third act Luke yet. I, I remember thinking, yes. Um, but this this the, like the the journey begins, um, even down to Finn. Oh, that might be Finn escaping. You know, in the Tie Fighter, all that kind of stuff. That story, the emotional story of these characters taking off their masks uh, or having masks, we we talked about that then too, and going forward. Specific plot details, I remember thinking, you know, uh, maybe that's uh, uh, Yavin Four being destroyed with all the trees, you know, those little little houses and what's we get caught up on. But I think the journey beginning, uh, it just was. It's so simple, especially when we watch the trailer now. It's all there. <laughs> For seven, eight, and nine almost. Like, really, if you watch it, Finn, Kylo, Ray, their journey, their journeys are, are laid out here in that this trailer. Yeah, it's really powerful to see that, you know, from a distance of, you know, who are you? I'm no one. Uh, and this whole journey is about Ray deciding, finding out who she is, both literally bloodline-wise and deciding who she wants to be and getting past that feeling that she's no one and that she has a right to pick up that lightsaber and she has this power and she has a, you know, a right and a responsibility to decide what to do with it. That's all there. Finn deciding what to fight for. You know, that's his arc that goes all the way through of um, Force Awakens. He's just there for Rey. He's still uh, in that place in, in Last Jedi until the end when he comes to that epiphany that the resistance is the right thing to fight for. And then he's all in holding everybody together in Rise of Skywalker. You know, same thing, kind of things going on with Kylo, where you've got that double meaning that a lot of the fans have pulled out of, 
He's saying to Vader's helmet, I'll finish what you started of, you know, uh, committing fully to the dark side and not turning back and dominating the galaxy. And then that becomes, hey, I I found the the path to save the person that I love uh, by giving my life force to Ray. People have found that poetry in that. So there's a lot in there that does end up speaking to the whole arc of these characters. And also, I think for me, is like it, it shows even when it's cut into just a trailer to just get tickets sold to put butts in seats that those themes of who are these characters, what are they fighting for, who do they want to be is really built in. Um, and then another really big, powerful thing to me that I think is right there in that trailer is that um, this theme of awakening that the it's called The Force Awakens for lots of reasons. Um but that that's literally the story of the movie. You can kind of feel that in the trailer that like Ray and Finn connect and they find the, the Falcon that hasn't been used and it literally awakens. They find Han and they kind of awaken him and get back into the battle by the end. Uh, all of their actions affect R2 and he literally wakes up. The, the film is just honestly, structurally, just the youth keep awaking, awakening the old classics and giving them new life and the fact mm-hmm. that you can kind of feel that in the trailer is really uh, amazing. A um, couple little plot point things of it really sets up that mystery of who is the new Jedi going to be. All these trailers do that uh, of Luke saying you have that power too, but we don't know who he's talking to. And at the end of this one, you know, Maz Kanata saying, the, you know, the force is calling, let it in and not knowing exactly who that's going to be. Uh, kind of the mystery of exactly who Kylo is, you know, how is he going to be connected to it all? It, it sets that stuff up really well. But the other really big thing to me, uh, is just nostalgia. There's so mm. much question about in Force Awakens. That was the main criticism that came out right of it's just a rehash of A New Hope. Um, right. And this question of uh, how much new should there be? There wasn't enough new. All of that. Whenever I go back to these trailers, I am just so deeply reminded that nostalgia is the point. It's to me. It is not about just for marketing. It works really well for marketing. Uh, because a lot of us did have actual nostalgia, but to me, it's it's the point of the story. The what that older generation discovered, Han, Luke, Leia, Lando, has kind of been lost or crumbled in this new generation, and this new generation is discovering its power. They need a wise old mentor of the scoundrel down on his luck, Han Solo, to go. Yeah, no, it's it is true. All of it. The nostalgia, I understand for some people, can be a criticism. But to me, it's the point. And like, um, Mm. I love that The Mandalorian was really fresh and really new. But when people kind of compare The Mandalorian to The Force Awakens and go like, well, one did a good job and one did a bad job. Absolutely. uh, Everybody has a right to their opinion. But for me, that's always processed through. But The Force Awakens was trying to reignite the franchise in a marketing way, yes. But the story is that the past cannot remain buried. The, you know, the spirit of that battle between those crashed uh, ships on Jakku that Ray lives in, they're not going to stay crashed. Those ideas are going to rise up again. Han can't run away from this. His past is going to come back to him. Uh, you know, Kylo's relationship with the past is, you know, he's going to try to be informed by it. Then he's going to try to destroy it. But whatever he does, it's going to come back. Um, and so to me, the great power of rewatching this trailer is just really connecting to there's always a balance of new and old in Star Wars. And for The Force Awakens, for this, this sequel trilogy, the past 
awakening and the power of nostalgia is the point of the story. It's the point of the marketing and they go hand in hand and there's a truth to them. Yeah. I mean, you've always said nostalgia is built into star Wars anyways, because George was hearkening back to his youth and the things that inspired him. So it needs to be there, but it, it was used so well. Like it, it, and that, and that's the thing too, when you watch this trailer, this is this was when I made that original note for myself uh, that I promptly forgot I had uh, written down <laughs> for us to do this uh, week. Joseph, it was like I remember what because I'll, I'll do it. I'll do. I'll just put up. I'll just watch all the trailers on YouTube on a on a over coffee on a Tuesday morning. It does I just like uh, let me watch all these trailers again and get moved again. This particular trailer, I was just shocked that it's just again the blueprint for everything we experienced is baked into this trailer and therefore into the story based of, uh, on what you're saying here. And, and that's how it worked for me. And I, I do push back against the nostalgia critique. I think it's a blanket statement. And, and also, as a Star Wars fan, you, you, you need an X-Wing. You need a TIE fighter to feel like home for a little bit. And then, you can, then you can branch out. So it was all, it's all there in that trailer to me. Yeah. And I think that's what I come down to with the nostalgia thing is, I, I, again, everybody has a right to an opinion. I think if somebody eats a grilled cheese sandwich and they're like, I don't like this grilled cheese sandwich. That is just fine. I think for me, it's like when people eat a grilled cheese sandwich and say, I don't like this because it has too much cheese. And like, well, <laughs> that's really what it's trying to be is a cheese sandwich. It's fine if you don't like it, but that was actually its goal. And that's the way I feel about nostalgia in The Force Awakens. It's like, mm -hmm. it's true, all of it. That spirit is the goal. That story is the goal. Yeah. Um, but speaking of things uh, being the goal, uh, what the, what goals uh, were not met for you? Uh, what expectations did you have from this trailer going into The Force Awakens that weren't actually met? What things do you still wrestle with going, uh, maybe that should have been this or this should have been that? I mean, you know, Luke shows up in the third act. He's dressed in all black. He has a green lightsaber. Maybe he's got scars on his face like Mark Hamill always wanted. And, uh, you know, bone uh, necklace uh, or... or uh, you know, a bone hanging from his ear, like Mark <laughs> Hamill always wanted. No, there was there was a little bit of that, uh, and that I didn't, and that that carried over to to Last Jedi. I mean, I'm I always joke, but I'm part of the, um, I'm part of the uh, ignite the green crowd. You know, and it still was on that train and everything. And I remember there was one episode of Jedi Council going into Last Jedi where I said something like, "I don't know, guys, maybe he never leaves the island," and everyone laughed. Um, so I had this, I, 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 I grew to appreciate all of that and I love the ending of force awakens, but I, I still had a lot of expectations of, of Luke. He's the guy he's, he's going to come back. So in the moment and in that year, it was like, great. All right. I love that ending. It's, it's still one of my favorite star Wars, but those expectations are going to be met later on. Um, and that's just a starting point. I'll say this too. Um, the fact that Han, Luke, and Leia not in one scene together in these in these films um, is one hundred percent fine for me because I love the story. We, you and I made the, you know the big uh, if you like pineapple on pizza, you, you like it type of conversation we had a couple weeks ago applies to this. I love what seven and eight nine do, so therefore I don't feel I'm missing that now. It is weird, particularly if you go back to this moment watching this trailer. If you would have told me, whispered in my ear. Uh, the big three never are on screen together in these films. Mm. Like the film, no, the films. I, I would be like, well, that's disappointing. 
there's part of me that still wonders if there could have been a way, a flashback or anything, a memory. I don't know. I don't know. The force. I don't know. Um, so I don't miss it, but I still wonder why it couldn't have been even in just one shot. You know what I mean? I didn't, I, I, I don't need, it would have, that, that shot that went around of all, all the, uh, the older characters in the Millennium Falcon cockpit. And this is the Star Wars we wanted. Uh, I, I guarantee if that happened for three films, people would have just hammered these films. Right. We talk about nostalgia and uh, it, it would not have worked as much. So it would have been a little empty, but it would have been, you know, it, yeah, different conversation maybe, but yeah. So anyways, Joseph, that to, to bring it back to that, that's the one thing I still, I still understand. And I still in my heart go, it would have been, I could have taken at least one moment with them to die. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you for the whole sequel trilogy that, you know, a flashback, a, a force vision. It would have been great to see the big three together in some way. Uh, I, I tend to really like the choice that they made. I certainly like the choice of letting them be full characters who, who experience tragedy and, and have to go uh, through the challenges of life. Uh, and I, I really also like the choice ultimately of starting the story uh at the most exciting point where the younger generation is discovering the older generation. You know, the first film could have been, uh, they're all together and they're pretty happy and Ben Solo is awesome, but darkness and he falls, you know, and it, you could have started the story there. Uh, but that would have put more emphasis on the original trilogy characters. And I think ultimately we got fresh and new things with them because we got to see them as mentors who knew that they needed to pass on the mantle. And we got to, you know, put importance on all of the new characters as well and for me ultimately a better balance of new and old but i agree with you i still think there could have been a a way for a a flashback or a or a force vision or or something would have been beautiful to see the three of them together Mm -hmm. um yeah for just kind of concrete expectations um yeah that luke in the third act really thought it was like we're not seeing any of the third act. They're hiding him from us entirely. Like uh, they'll come out with a new poster and he'll be on it because after the movie came out, because he's in the entire third act, that was a, that was a shock. That was a, an uh, expectation that was not met by that, uh, by any of these trailers. Uh, but <laughs> I ended up happy with that. Um, I remember just a ton of picking apart every little scene in this trailer. And in mm-hmm. a couple that jump out at me is people being afraid that the Falcon was going to be destroyed because it, you know, looks kind of explodey for just a second. I mean, it's just, you know, blaring through another explosion. I remember everybody discussing just the hell out of that little shot of Finn and Poe when Finn's getting ready and, you know, claps his hand. Uh, Poe's getting ready and claps his hand on Finn's shoulder. And, yeah, there, I mean, there is absolutely something going on there in the context of the film, right? Of, yeah. of Finn's, Finn knows that he's going to Starkiller Base to get Ray, and everybody else is going there to save the galaxy. Um but I remember, like, is he a spy? <laughs> you know, do they know each other from the past? You know, like, uh, everybody made such a big deal out of that. So that was a, it was fun to have that be just like, no, that's a small character moment, not a major plot thread, you know? Uh, say with uh, Ray crying over what looked like Wookiee fur. Oh, yeah, Chewie's going to die. He just got hit by a moon. It's all coming true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a, some of those just like all of our talking points uh, back then. Uh, for things that I still kind of wish happened, um, I still wish that the politics had been made more clear. Uh, you know, it's there in the trailer, or the, not the trailer, but the, op- the opening crawl. You know, so you can figure it all out, uh, but it is shy about the politics, I think, Force Awakens because of the reaction to the prequels. Uh, and the uh, taxation of trade routes is allegedly boring, so I think they were careful there. 
And the th- I think the other thing that I sit with, Ken, um, is that I'm very positive about the sequel trilogy, obviously, but I, I can still have my personal like, oh, yeah, uh, I would do that slightly differently. Uh, I love that it is uh, about nostalgia and about the old uh, reawakening when it comes into contact with the new and the new being affected by uh, the past. I love that the First Order is just like, we're the Empire, but better. So I love that they still have TIE Fighters. I think after all these years, I think the X-Wings should have been a new ship or a drastically different version of the Mm. X-Wings. Don't get me wrong. Every time I sit down and I watch it and those X-Wings buzzing the lake at Taco Donna and uh, Poe's great uh, flight where he takes out all those ships, I love it. I will never sit there and be mad, right? Mm. But, because I love X-Wings, but... I think there would have been like better symbolism of like the the dark side, the evil is just rigid and just stays the same. But the new characters develop and change and are more flowing and organic. And what's the cool, bizarre new ship that you could never uh, imagine um, or the new version of the X-Wing that is, you know, entirely new in its own way? I think that might have been cool. I, uh, yeah, at least, uh, you know, give me a Y-Wing in uh, Force Awakens. Well too, right? <laughs> and, and that was a big conversation. And we got it. You're right. We got it. We got what they were trying to do. It's it's that ship you know and that other ship you know, and 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 that's part of the marketing side of it, and and some of the choices I think. But I think there would have been plenty of room to go in new directions. You know, maybe there's a squad of old X-wings because uh, you know that's part of the story, part of the the fight. Uh, the, uh, the you know the resistance has to gather what they can, but also a new fleet of uh, ships. Yeah, I, I I'm I, and what it means is is very powerful. Um, but. Uh, that would have worked for me as well too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, wrapping up our conversation on this first half about the trailer itself. Uh, I think like, like all history, the cultural memories of star Wars can be quickly forgotten. The things that you, that fans have a specific perspective because they were fans during this one specific window. Um, talked a lot about how if you were the right age, if you're the age to speculate, in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, there's this uh, sliver of people who really don't like the Ewoks because we were into it's Boba Fett's a badass and oh Vader is his father and he cut off his hand. That's dark. That's brooding. What? There are teddy bears. Uh, and those of us who grew up in that little sliver of time uh, had to be re-educated to value the murder bears. Um, so there's all those little moments like that. Um, what do you think for this trailer, this era what do you want to remember about this time of being a Star Wars fan to pass on to other generations to say, oh, no, no, I know you just sat down and you just watched Force Awakens and it's a movie. It's just the next one after Return of the Jedi. But I lived through it coming out and this is what I want you to know. I want you to know that there was a time where we didn't go out of our way to stamp out the fires of our own joy. That it was there and we felt it and... You know, yes, not everything's going to work and, you know, you're you're, you're going to be let down and maybe you don't like a movie as much as the others. All those realistic things. But there, there was a time where we all at once looked out at this and said, this is this is our hearts are bursting with Star Wars joy. And uh, don't go out of your way. Don't work hard to stamp that out. Yeah. I think that's a great answer is a time that we were not stamping out the joy in our heart. Uh, Yeah, just the sheer excitement that there was so much joy that Star Wars is back. Um, I think about that nostalgia context being that 
hey, uh, if you just sit down and like, Here, here's all the Skywalker Saga movies, I can watch through them on Disney Plus. Uh, and you didn't live through that arc of the love of the original trilogy, then the, you know, pushback uh, from some people on the prequels, uh, you know, or if you grew up with the prequels and you're so excited to see Star Wars back on screen, you really didn't think it was going to happen. And here it is. It's back. The excitement that it's back. The fact that the movie kind of needed to deal with that. Like there had to be a little bit of a meta content of yeah. it's back. Um, I'm a big James Bond fan. I think about this all the time of like, I first started to see those films uh, in the 80s. Saw Timothy Dalton in, uh, you know, License to Kill, 1989. And then James Bond goes away for six years. And there is a, you know, the Berlin Wall falls. The Cold War ends. There's renewed discussion about the safe sex uh, because of all sorts of uh, cultural things. And there's a big discussion of like, James Bond is a Cold War uh, relic. And then you watch Goldeneye. And if you just watch Goldeneye, it's, it's the next one that comes after License to Kill in 1995, six years later. It's like, okay, cool. It's, uh, what do you think about that? Was it fun? Was it quippy? Was it good? Do you like the gadgets? All that James Bond stuff. But I will never not watch Goldeneye as an answer to the question, can James Bond be relevant? That's what that film is doing. They're like those blatant jokes about uh, safe sex and you know, it, the film finds a way to make Russians the villains without really being the villains so they can have it, their James Bond cake and eat it too. And for me, The Force Awakens is a film like Goldeneye because of what I lived through. I will always be able to just enjoy it as a film and as a Star Wars film. But I will always remember too that it, its job was to not only tell this new story, to introduce these new characters, to bring these new shades to the older characters, its job was to bring Star Wars back. Its job was to have us be uh, sort of Ray and Finn in particular, where like we heard these stories and now they're awakening and they're all true in this, this great grand adventure is real. And in fact, we're part of it and we have to choose how we get to be part of this great grand adventure. That's the story within Force Awakens, but that was also the story that needed to be told in the real world successfully to bring Star Wars back as a franchise. And along with that, just remembering uh, that the original three returning, uh, Luke, Han, Leia being back, that was impossible, right? I mean, we grew up thinking like, yeah, Star Wars, yeah, George went back and told the prequels and he used, you know, Jabba and Yoda. And that's awesome that Frank Oz did the voice, but like, the big three are never going to be on screen again. We might never get another Star Wars movie after 2005. That was it. George said in the interviews, he did it. It's done. This was at the time the impossible happening that grumpy Harrison Ford was back and he seemed to be excited about it. Yeah. The impossible happened on screen. And that was a part of the excitement of living through it for me. Yeah. Even here in, Mark Hamill say, yeah, George took Carrie and I to lunch and told us, you know, this is what we're looking at. Do you want to do this? And we thought, well, Harrison's never going to say yes. So, I mean, if he says yes, I, I guess, but really that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of years prior to this, you know? Yeah. So I think that was, you know, not only were we, um, you know, I think everybody a little bit more uh, excited because it was Star Wars was back. Your great point about just letting ourselves be joyful. A part of the reason for that joy was this is, you know, the impossible is happening. The original Star Wars uh, characters are back on screen. Amazing. 
Amazing stuff. Yeah. Let the joy wash over you. Cause again, this is all t- also time period coming out just on a personal journey of, uh, you know, meeting you and working with you and, 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 and re- rediscovering that, that, that those times where I watch revenge of the Sith in private and hope no one catches me. I don't have to do that. <laughs> I can enjoy it at star Wars. Uh, enjoy it. And, and, and that was all part of this too, in this moment. Yeah. The joy is calling. Let it in. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll talk a little bit more about our journey doing force center. We will be back in a moment with some more joy. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl. And special programming all there for you and more shows on the way. It's Forcing on YouTube. Check it out. And we are back to look at five years of Awakening. So that Force Awakens trailer came out. And we started for Center, Ken. Uh, our first uh, mini-sode that you posted was on October 17th. And then the first kind of full episode of You and I uh, was released on October 23rd, discussing the journey to The Force Awakens. What are your memories of those uh, first recordings? Well, <laughs> the very first of You and I, uh, you, you've mentioned before too, was in my old apartment bedroom, uh, <laughs> hunched over like, maybe a box or two, like a chair with the microphones holding up. I had my old mics, the old episodes. I'm always, and I've always joked, but I'm always tinkering with the sound. I'm not a sound engineer. I try to find the best sound, uh, better equipment. I always try to upgrade. So some, you go back and listen to some four center episodes. I, I would, um, would love to change some of the uh, files if I, if I still could. So that first episode, it sounds like we're in a tin can and we kind of are hunched over <laughs> microphones, but you know, I, this was, um, we didn't know what we were going to do. Force Center was just this idea of you and I like talking Star Wars with each other. And I had been doing Spotlight Star Wars and AppSec Files and worked with uh, Jennifer and and you. And it was like, let's 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 team up. And and it was ne- it wasn't more than that, right? I mean, it wasn't like a great uh, business opportunity because Star Wars is really back. It was just a continuation of what we had done, which is why I go back to what I said in the first episode of it. Just was like 
we're fans. We're also professional entertainers and we have do all these things and, and podcasting is this, this thing. So a Star Wars, Star Wars version of that thing wasn't new. Of course, there've been some great podcasts around during this time already, but it was like, let, let, let's be fans on microphones together. And that's kind of for me where it started. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was a similar experience for me of, you know, doing those uh, Jedi Alliance episodes and having lots of fun to the point where like when you uh, were going to, uh, move on from Jedi Alliance. It's like, oh, you know what? I'll I'll try this for a while, and and I very much enjoyed that. But I really enjoyed uh, talking Star Wars with you. I enjoyed the podcast uh, format where you know Jedi Alliance definitely some of those episodes got deep and they got long, but there was still a little bit of like bang, bang, bang. Let's go. Don't don't spend any more than five minutes on one topic, and let's go. Um, and so having that the freedom of the podcast format and like, Hey, if, if people find it and like it to go even deeper than uh, we, we did and you did on Jedi Alliance. Uh, great. Uh, so it was really fun to just start it from that perspective and just see uh, absolutely where it goes. And it wasn't a big discussion. It was just like, Hey, would you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, no, that sounds great. I'd really like to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was, uh, it was off and running that mm-hmm. first recording. I really remember, uh, that yeah i think because i think we were, ha- were going to do it in the living room and then there was uh, some reason we couldn't and it's like i didn't have any problem with it <laughs> it's fun to look at all your uh your star wars stuff uh <laughs> along the walls and whatnot uh yeah. and i i remember about that first recording you, you had come up with the topic and i thought that was great to really start with uh like 2012 when the announcement was made of the disney sale you know we were already looking back we were already looking back. We were already putting things in historical context and talking about like all those angry YouTube videos that came out in 2012 of like the mouse will bleep on the soul of Star Wars and so much anger right away. And then here we are. How do we get here? Uh, but I remember being deeply wrong about Luke. Like we talked about it uh, at the first half of this podcast, but I think that episode in your bedroom was a, I was like this is going to be like uh, like something we've never seen in entertainment before where we're, we're seeing nothing from the third act and none of the posters are mm-hmm. accurate to the third act of the film. New posters will come out with Luke's... And I, I was all on about how much the third act was going to be all Luke Skywalker all the time, and I was just so deeply wrong. Hey, I, I cringe. I don't I don't go back and listen to a lot of episodes because uh, I've grown as a fan, but going back to that kind of stuff, yeah, and the journey there... Um, we just, I, 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 we didn't know what was coming in the best way possible. We just really didn't know. We weren't prepared. No, no, we didn't know what was coming in lots of, yeah. lots of different ways. Uh, but it was still a fun conversation, which is why we uh, kept doing it. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the biggest changes in how we celebrate Star Wars. Uh, and maybe those changes came from us doing the podcast. Maybe they came from being you know more in touch with uh, the community or or just watching all the new films of the era but for you in these last five years of awakening what are the biggest changes in how you celebrate star wars uh taking taking a closer look at what everything means which which i directly attribute to talking star wars with with you um jedi alliance was begun mod garrett and i when we were, we were given the show we we were given the show and we sat we met in that uh, same apartment that you and i first scored for center we did for about four hours we just we did a test show with no audience there we did a test show uh to ourselves and the idea i was like you know i just like what what's better an x-wing or a tie fighter which one would you rather fight fight in and and let's make fun of uh lobot or crix madeen's hair like let's let's just have fun and that was part of where, where it started and mod and i loved living in that world but but as you know, this is 2014. So as the comics are coming out, 
as Rebels, New Dawn, everything's coming out. And I, I found myself not liking stuff as much initially. I famously didn't like Rebels first couple episodes. Uh, first season was like okay to me. And I, I've told you on my rewatch, even just these last couple of months, I'm like, I, I, I don't know what I was missing because this is just deeper than I could ever imagine. But that was it. And it was when I started talking Star Wars with with you and Jennifer and and, and really approaching it a little differently. We we had databank brawl is completely silly. Uh, you know, it, it you know, CO Bibble versus the gong droid is that's the kind of Star Wars I love talking about just as much as the deep stuff. But I really did discover that I wasn't connecting with some of the stuff there. Um, I knew it. I could see it. But, you know, even now, I'll occasionally miss something. But it was just like I, 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 I stopped on the surface a lot. I got the I got the big thing. I got Luke and the hero's journey. I've, I've watched all those documentaries. I've read those <laughs> books. But and this is and this isn't a criticism of anybody in the in the circle. But I'll use the Plagueis staff example of just like because of Game of Thrones and Lost and a lot of things and George R. R. Martin's theories that he, you know, put in, in between the lines in his books. I, I, I There's a Spotlight Star Wars episode early on where I'm just like, finally, Star Wars has some of that speculation that that the other franchises and stuff have. Where now we can wonder, what's, what is that character? What does it mean? You know, and, and on the surface. And that's where I go back and say, uh, that's the biggest change for me uh, and how I watch it. And then therefore how I celebrate it, because then that you can celebrate what, what the wise of star Wars connecting into everyone's lives. And more than that freeze frame shows Ray crying over, crying over Chewbacca. It's gotta be Chewbacca and then getting that wrong. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so that's been the biggest change. Yeah, no, I, I really like a lot of things you're saying, and, and I think it, it's stuff that we revisit on Force Center of the yeah. fun of Star Wars, the silliness of it that's baked into it, and then the silliness that we get to make as fans uh, and as a community is is all great. I'm always up for poking fun at uh, Crix Medine's hair. Yes. <laughs> uh, anytime. We can do a deep dive episode about Crix Medine's hair. Great. Yeah. Um, the, a trailer comes out and there's a shadowy figure and is that, you know, a uh, member of the Sith Eternal? That's all fun, right? It, it is all great. It is a part of the buffet. But for me, uh, starting Force Center in particular, got to do it a little bit on Jedi Alliance, but really with Force Center, it fulfilled this other part of the buffet that was so important to me that I literally never had anyone to talk about it with and therefore assumed that people probably didn't give a damn. Like I was so used to being around at that point, uh, performing at conventions, most of my friends being sci-fi, fantasy, comic book genre fans. Uh, but still, a Star Wars conversation was usually either, hey, let's poke fun at uh, Luke's being really whiny about Tashi Station. Uh, you know, let's make jokes about the stormtroopers not being able to shoot anything. Let's make jokes about uh, Luke and Leia smooching a lot. All fun mm. stuff. Or if you want to get a little bit more serious, uh, here is uh, people of my generation's uh, often cited bullet point list of why the original trilogy is great and the prequels are not. And when I tried to engage with Star Wars, it always went down in person, one of those roads of let's poke loving fun at it or let's kind of tear into at, at a certain point like, yep, get it. Those are the 10 bullet points of why the prequels are bad. These are the mistakes George Lucas has made. Got it. Um, and I wanted to talk about what does it mean that I grew up with 
Luke Skywalker, the great hero of the galaxy, actually winning by pacifism, if you actually look at it, by having even the hope of, uh, of that his father could turn around, showing mercy, showing compassion. What does that mean? Hey, I know uh, that people think it's silly that Palpatine, you know, screams unlimited power, but what does it actually mean philosophically? And hey, it's actually, it's, it's a fear of losing a loved one that is what destroys Anakin Skywalker. And that's really interesting because it's natural to fear losing a loved one. Is that a bad thing? How is that a bad thing? Where did he go wrong? All of those like ideas. I desperately wanted to talk to people about it. I remember talking to one particular person, uh, a, a friend, trying to engage on that because the fr- friend was just like, mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker is kind of whiny. And it's like, he does whine sometimes, but why is that? And it just mm-hmm. literally walked away from me, like literally physically walked away from that conversation. And it was one of those, it was like, ah, well, I guess sometimes when I'm brushing my teeth, I'll think about those things, but no one will ever want to speak to me about them. Uh, so finding uh, you and Jennifer who really wanted to engage on that stuff and then finding that there's a very large community of people who want to engage uh, on that level as well as the make fun of Crick's Madeen's hair and as well as the fun, you know, draw the strings between the conspiracy theory and, and figure out the trailer. All that stuff is great, but to know that people wanted to talk about the the deeper stuff and I remember us, because we were still really flying by the seat of our pants at mm-hmm. the beginning here. Uh, when we, you and I, Jennifer wasn't, uh, Jennifer was on board, but we hadn't got all the machinery set up yet mm-hmm. of, of Force Center. hadn't even started Databank Brawl by the time we did the review of yeah. The Force Awakens. And I had notes on my phone. I just like, I remember getting to your place and recording in the living room, not the bedroom, and saying, could we... Uh, I mean, we've already done reviews on Jedi Alliance and you've done reviews other places, you know, uh, and, we, and we've talked about the beats and the moments and what worked and what was cool and what didn't. Like, can we talk about the themes? And I had like my list of themes and you're like, sure, let's try yeah. it. Uh, and that was like, in some ways, kind of the beginning of how, how we really primarily talk about Star Wars on Force Center. And it was so gratifying. And uh, I had a friend of mine who is about 15 years older than me, um, just a phenomenal actor who I had cast in many shows. He had cast me in many shows. He's a theater guy down to his bones. He can recite uh, Shakespeare and Ibsen. And he was always like, I understand you like that Star Wars. I never got it. Uh, and he wrote me out of the blue. And he's like, I, I saw Force Awakens and I really liked it. And it really spoke to me. And I actually saw it again. I saw it twice. <laughs> and then I listened to that podcast you did with your friend where you talked about these ideas and how they tied to other parts of Star Wars. And I really enjoyed that. And it was just like great validation uh, from all these different perspectives that it was worth talking about Star Wars this way. Yeah. And I do, I do remember that, uh, you know, I certainly have a certain style too, when I approach, you know, I just you know, tee it up and let's just start talking. But, but what has changed uh, uh, over the years and uh, is more questions that force you to dig deep or to think about things. And I was missing a lot. And this is, I have told this story, I was on the Galactic podcast uh, not too long, and I told the story. Uh, and I'm, I think I might even write about it one day of just um, being the biggest Han Solo fan in the world and being disappointed about his death. But uh, when I talked to you about it, I'll call it a Jedi Alliance. I remember that night. For some reason, I was driving in a car, and I can't remember why. <laughs> probably not using ear, earphones. Probably holding the phone to the my ear like an idiot. Don't do that, kids. 
calling in to you guys because I, I think I was leaving work. And uh, you and it, it, it just really not, not correcting me, not going, no, no, you're wrong, going, well, here's what's there and what I see and what I connected with. When I hung up, and it was great, and we had a good conversation, good pocket. When I hung up, I was, it's not even like embarrassed. I just was like, I so completely miss that because I'm, I'm watching these things on, uh, 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 there's something I don't like about how I'm watching them. And that goes to the 80s thinking, yeah, Luke's a hero. He kicks ass and saves the day and realizing that's not exactly what, what happened. And um, uh, during the Game of Thrones time, because I love the game. Game of Thrones is built, you know, Song of Ice and Fire is built on theories. No, no, no doubt about it. George R. R. Martin's like, let me have fun with my theories and see if you can figure them <laughs> out. But he's also good enough of world builder and storyteller. And he's drawn on real history that he's got those themes in there, too. But in doing a lot of Game of Thrones shows during this same era, you mentioned like the analyzing and what and what was going on with YouTube. I go to, I think, going into season six and we all thought Cyril Pharrell is coming back and there is a shadow on a wall that's the shape of him. And I spent a lot of time going, oh, yep, this must be what this is. This is a big theory. And, it, and when it didn't happen, there was a lot of disappointment and I just felt like, I missed it. And then, and, and, and that's what I felt with the Han Solo death. I missed it. And I didn't like that feeling. And it forced me to want to go back and look at everything again and continue to, I always, I love when I learn something new, whether you put a theory out or a theme, you know, not a theory, but a theme. And I go, Oh God, yeah, that's right. I connected that or going back to the prequel stuff. I get so tired of, and I don't want to turn this to negative finger wagging conversation, but like so tired of some of the prequel stuff. Where I just want to be like, cool, great. What do you think about Shmi letting her son go? Like, yeah. What do you think about that? Versus uh, a quote, you know, uh, making a making a funny quote about some some silly, awkward prequel moment. Yeah. So that that's that's the thing that going back to those early episodes of Four Center and looking back five years, it it is the Plagueis staff of it all. It would have been great, but I still Snoke was a failure. It should have been Plagueis. Okay, but why? Yeah. What does that bring to the story? Tell me why, and I can be on board with it because I would have liked that too. I'm not saying I wanted Snoke to be Bob Snoke, the clone that Palpatine made. I, you know, I, I like where that ended, but I could it could have been Plagueis. But why? What does that mean to the theme of Star Wars? And that's going back. What's changed big, big time for me? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really great point. What would it have meant if it was Plagueis? You know, mm. that is different from from Bob Snoke and old Sheev behind it all. Um, yeah, I, I really love what you're saying. I'm so happy that we've been able to have these kinds of conversations. And I have learned so much from uh, Jennifer and from you uh, and from listeners and just getting to hear lots of different perspectives. Um, so for me, it's like it's been great to be able to to uh, discuss it in a deeper way, but also a just more well-rounded way. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. for me, that's the biggest change in how I've celebrated Star Wars because of all of this uh, adventures and in, in awakening over the last five years is um, being able to just be in the world of ideas of Star Wars to the point where they really affect my life and have truly helped me. Like, I definitely have some moments that I've talked about a lot where, like, uh, thinking the, through the way Yoda talks about the Force helped me be calm down and be a better drummer because it just took a deep breath and, and listened to my instincts. All that kind of stuff definitely was there as a kid. But just really being able to dive deep into 
uh, the themes of why do the Jedi believe what they believe? What mistakes did they make? How did, you know, Luke handle that moment? And then learning things from uh, from Jennifer about why all the animals and the creatures and the Ewoks mean so much to her. And what does it mean if I really dive into that perspective in Star Wars? And how could that translate to my life? Or your connection uh, between your own growing up and life experiences with being drawn to the to the military guys where you know the, the Imperials first names because you want to, because they're, because you just instinctively see them as full people, even though they're doing not great things, <laughs> you connect to them that way and being exposed to all of these different perperspectives has in having the podcast to kind of live in that, that thought bubble uh, has just enriched my life from being able to uh, say, how do I want to let these ideas that are absolutely there in Star Wars, affect me and, and guide me um and in particular like i think just spending so much time talking about jedi stuff uh has helped me in times where i need to take a deep breath and not reflexively lash out in anger but really take a step back and think mm. yeah mm. yeah so yeah. lots of lots of celebration changes yeah, so, so I mean, there's a lot there. I mean, this is this, uh, you know, not to turn this into a documentary on the the journey of Force Center, but we are looking back and just so much has changed. Uh, overall, not overall, Force Center has been Force Center. Uh, yeah. You know, folks want to celebrate Star Wars and do it uh, in the positive, and I I I, I push against that positive. I, I embraced the positive term for a long time. Now I push back against it because it's used as a pat on the head. Um, yeah. Oh, I think that's sweet. You're so positive. Um, where I think we are more critical about Star Wars than anyone cares to give us credit for, but we always end up dig, digging deep to find things that are there. Not that we put in there, that are there. And and that's just been more to the forefront from five years ago when it was a little bit more of Plagueis' staff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I think that's a, a great point. I think, you know, we're trying to celebrate, uh, but if there's something we don't like or question or go, maybe that, maybe we as individual fans would have liked that better. Yeah, we can throw that out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a part of the journey as well. How, how has it changed for you actively watching, reading, listening to Star Wars? You're still watching and reading and listening as a fan, but you're also almost always taking Star Wars in with the knowledge that you're going to be talking about it. Uh, how does that change the actual viewing, reading, listening experience for you? I think it's affected the reading most of all. That's the one that feels the most. I'll start on the, I'll start on the lower negative end. The reading, and that includes comic books, is one that's more like a chore. What a great chore to have, by the way. But that, <laughs> that's the only time I sometimes go, ah, okay, not because of the books, but just like, you know, I, 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 I've been a, I've been a, a, a avid reader since I was a kid. I, w- I was that first grader in his room reading stacks of books. I used to love going to the library. So I, I love reading, but I just, sometimes I, I don't have as much time or just when I, you know, sit down, I was talking earlier uh, this week on our four center episodes of, uh, you know, meditation. I don't, my mind doesn't focus when I'm reading my, I, I, I'm a chapter at a time guy. Because if if I do two chapters, by the end of the second one, I'm like, oh, God, I need to get to Lowe's. There was that hose adapter I needed. <laughs> and and so we don't often have that luxury. Again, wow, poor us. We got to finish a Star Wars book before our podcast. But it, it, that's, the, that's the only side of it, the words effective it, affected it negatively. The other stuff, I've done a pretty good job, and I do it with the other franchisee genre things I watch and are talking about Game of Thrones, whatnot. 
I, I allow myself, I don't take notes the first time around. I don't at all. And that's why I don't, it was part of the jobs at the old places that I worked for where you had to um, watch and run and get into the studio, right? Uh, yeah. Rogue One, saw it at a press screening. Uh, that was Jeremy Johns's plus one. We saw it, we had a great day. We had a run back, like people texting us. Where are you? Get back. Because we had to sit down on set and record our thoughts. Right, no time to digest, just get it out. And I had to do that for Solo. Now, Solo was like the next morning. Went to, was fortunate enough to go as a plus one again to... Uh, the premiere got to watch Lawrence Kazanov tri tip, got to stand by Media Clark, <laughs> and that was special for me as a Game of Thrones fan, right? All that cool stuff. But the next morning, bright and early, get in, get in the studio. And we did a spoiler and a non spoiler. And in the non spoiler one, I'll never forget this. Uh, me, me, and uh, it was Harloff. Uh, we we did five minutes on solo. We had diff, we had very different opinions on solo. We still do. Um, we didn't talk about the female characters in that five minute review. Yeah. Not intentionally. We were just like, uh, da, 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 da. yeah. What else was in it? Uh, uh, and even, even though you have some notes down and someone tweeted us say, Hey, be better, which I wanted to find, like, Oh gosh, we'll watch our spoiler review. We talk about everybody. But I remember like, and that was an indicate. I hated that. I hate that feeling of, of just rushing in. So I always, especially now after that mess up, because it was a mess up. I always, Joseph, make sure I'm watching this one. No phone, no notes, nothing. I'm a fan, and we're going to figure it out afterwards. I think that's really great. Uh, and I think that is, I can really relate to a lot of what you're saying. I so love having a, a dedicated reason to read uh, as many of the books, as many as the comics, play, as many as the video games as I possibly can. And sometimes it's just a challenge because it's just, uh, it's a lot. It's both a joy and like just, hey, um, that there's only so much uh, time in a day kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then all, there is also that need to preserve uh, the fandom because I think that's an important part of us for Four Center that if we ever stop being fans for some reason, we would stop doing the podcast. So we, the, the fan part, needs to be alive right um yeah. and sometimes that comes by just watching something and just truly letting yourself absorb it as a fan in a fan first rather than note taking I, I really uh i really appreciate that perspective um i think for me the way it's changed how i absorb star wars is because of being exposed to lots of different points of views and finding every time I kind of dig into a scene or a moment or a beat in Star Wars or any movie or, or an episode of uh, Clone Wars or a book uh, and look for like, yeah, but what's the bigger idea connecting all this? I'm always rewarded. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've, I've found that that has been the positive part of it that has enriched the way I watch it of like I've watched uh, Attack of the Clones dozens of times. I really enjoy Attack of the Clones. I've always enjoyed it for reasons that I have uh, pontificated on in other episodes. Uh, but like a recent reviewing, I, when I was just like, I'm going to watch this for Padme and got so much out of, geez, every line she says, <laughs> she's right. And no one is listening to her. She's got great wisdom and she's not being listened to. Uh, you know, and obviously that, that's got some real world rhythms going on. Um, <laughs> Say, so, yeah. But it's just a great example to always pay attention to the parts of Star Wars that I've maybe glossed over. And not even when it's like, hey, I've watched something and, and I got problems with it or I don't like that part, so I kind of push it to the side. I just mean like mm -hmm. like our Clone Wars rewatch we're doing right now. I love the Clone Wars. I, I have for every time that I've watched through it. 
but sitting down to watch it now as a fan and also to share our thoughts on our Clone Wars uh, kind of deep dive rewatch, I'm getting so much out of it uh, because I'm watching all the parts I might have glossed over before. You know, things were like, uh, I'm a, I'm a gun die. Uh, it's a funny joke. I get it. He's a Jedi who falls. Uh, mm-hmm. But then sitting down to really watch it, to share uh, thoughts and discuss it with you, I see like uh, the richness of what, what does that say about this Jedi who accepts that, yeah, this isn't the battle that's going to win the war and I have to run in and possibly die because that's what a Jedi does. They're selfless uh, and, and getting, you know, this greater depth out of it because I'm watching it in order to absorb it in this different way. You, you, you mentioned this, the phrase rewarded for it. I want to highlight that because I feel that's the biggest thing Force Center has done for me as a Star Wars fan is it has taught me to dig deeper. And when you get there, you experience Star Wars in a level you didn't previously get to experience. And it's this new level of joy. And it's not enlightenment. It's not me knowing more than you. Uh, and these are dark times. And, you know, the Star Wars fandom can be real rough. And I have, I have to admit, in the last year, I've been kind of burnt out on having to hear that little pat on my head. Oh, little Kenny, you just think Star Wars positive. Uh, you just, you just think, you just, you just love it all. You just eat it like cake and you stuff your face. And, and I, I get that from <laughs> friends in the business to my face. And it's what to an the awful point, thing to eat cake. I know. Right. It's like, oh, you can eat shrimp. Give me more. I'm not going to criticize, but, and it's upset me. It's, I've lost friends. I don't, I, and I'm not saying I lose your friends over something as, as trivial as a space movie folks. I'm not saying that, but I'm just like to your face, contemporaries in the business, just with the, oh, you like that? Of course you did. You're so positive. It's upset me. It's hurt me. Um, don't cry for me. But so, but to focus on the positive side of that, I've gotten to the point of, you know what? I don't, I don't, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I, Solo was the one that I felt the divide, Last Jedi, but the divide between how I I view it and, and others around, and, and there's no wrong or right, but just the, the word rewarded. I just felt so moved by Solo from the get-go and connecting to what was presented there and the themes that I've just, even when I watch it now, I learn more. You mentioned the Clone Wars. I will go back to Game of Thrones. I promise, folks, one last time. I am now <laughs> on my on my podcast, Cashly Talk. I'm doing a complete rewatch with an emphasis on the themes. Quite frankly, just stealing what we're doing over here on Clone Wars. Almost as, but And what I found, Joseph, a, a series that I love watching because there's so much of the theories, but so much of... The intrigue, especially season one. So, middle of season one, I just watched like episode six, and 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 for the self, it's like a homework assignment. I'm sitting there, I was like, "What's the theme? What's the theme?" You watch, you watch, you watch. I was like, "Oh, this 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 episode six is about fatal mistakes, and you can't go. You've you've done something, and you can't recover from it. And some of that is implication has implications within season one, and some of them, the implications are eight years away. And I that that episode I've seen fifty times. <laughs> is so new to me now once I unlocked it and I felt rewarded not and, and so I just want to share that with the world and sometimes I can be like look at look at uh, you know look at what we do isn't it great it isn't it's just this this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine <laughs> like I'm just like <laughs> so exciting to me uh, 10 years after watching uh, Game of Thrones season one for the first time because I hadn't read the books till after season one like the, I unlocked the theme of this episode and it's beautiful and every scene flows into that and I'm now learning more, taking more from these episodes. And, and to have that in Star Wars, that's 
I really love, I'm inspired by that term you said, rewarded. It, 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 that's how it feels. You're like, yeah, and I just unwrapped this gift. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm 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 really glad that that uh, that spoke to you, and it's great to hear about uh, the Game of Thrones rewatch. You've mentioned it before, but going into that uh, that depth, and then I think that's what's so uh, I'll say rewarding again is uh, you know the theme the themes aren't meant to be a mystery. They're not meant to be like here's a clue, here's some clues, and only detectives can solve them. You know, it's right. I think in storytelling it, it's meant to be you feel it. But I think uh, as viewers, you can get caught up in. Here's my list of things I like. I like this character. I like this kind of action, I like this kind of beat. I don't think that should be in uh, this kind of mood or scene should be in Game of Thrones or Star Wars. And, and we can stop there. And I think when you just kind of open yourself up and go like, what happened to the characters? Like Solo is such a perfect example of like, you're in it. It's a fun romp. If you accept Alden Ehrenreich is Han Solo, you're just on an adventure and you're going. When you've, but if you just turn the movie over in your mind, like, why are all the characters doing the things they're doing? Oh, it's because they all want basic personal freedom and they can't have it because of crime in the empire. Now it becomes a different movie and it's not hidden. It's just why the characters are doing it. And it's just whether or not you choose to look at it in that way, you know, and it, and it becomes rewarding on, on a different level. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right, so let's let's dive into looking at some other uh, aspects of our journey of awakening. So there have been a lot of changes uh, just in Star Wars since the the big relaunch, since this new era. You know, it started before Force Awakens came out with Rebels and a few comic books and, and books, but it really culminated in the Force Awakens coming out uh, December 2015. The new era is off and running. Uh, I would argue the sequel trilogy is done. Uh, the what was going to be this uh, endless string of uh, standalone movies uh, is uh, doesn't seem to be going anywhere. We've transitioned to Disney Plus now. I think we're kind of at the end of one era and sort of the transition into the new. What do you think were the positive changes of this new era of Star Wars, basically from you know early 2014 uh, and Force Awakens to Rise of Skywalker? What do you think is the the positive changes? I think it, it introduced Star Wars to an, an entire new generation and not just talking about age. You know, you and I have met some folks who are like, yeah, I was, oh, I'm in my 30s. Hadn't really watched Star Wars. Uh, checked out Force Awakens. Now I'm a fan. We hear that a lot. Um, we see that a lot. So that's one of those things. Uh, I, I once wrote about the idea of just, you know, what's, what's your favorite Star Wars character is a great question to ask. But now it means more than that, more than it ever has before, because we are getting more and more characters to choose from that represent so many different people or aspects or perspectives or ages and demographics, all that kind of stuff. And so that question really has more meaning and it's only going to get better. And we're hoping that it gets better, but it, that, that is, you know, and that's, that, that's not a knock on the original trilogy era or even the prequel era. You know, we just said we had a smaller sample size yeah. <laughs> original trilogy. That question was like, you had like four answers <laughs> unless you wanted wicked or salacious be crub. Uh, which are viable answers, my friends. But, you know, it was like, are you, are you a Han guy, Luke guy? You like Leia or you don't like Leia? You, you like Vader, you don't like Vader. You know what I mean? Now, you have so many more characters to choose from, and a lot of those characters mean more to people than ever before. And I think that's 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 the biggest change for me. And just having stories, so many stories to choose. You're listing here of, uh, you know, the animated shows and, and new books and comics. And yes, Legends existed and and, and EU and all that stuff um, on the record saying wasn't, you know, didn't dive into that as much as other people. But now to have it all 
out there again with uh, just a spotlight on it. And I no longer had to take the things off the shelf and I no longer (laughs) looked at weird wearing a, a Star Wars shirt as an adult in a coffee shop. You know, it is now a conversation starter. Versus a conversation ender or (laughs) that to me is one of the big things too. Yeah. I got to agree with you uh, on pretty much all that. I think for me, the biggest positive change is uh, diversity in the broadest uh, sense of that term. And, and, you know, that's what you're saying from literally people Mm -hmm. uh, getting, getting to see themselves in Star Wars who physically did not really get to see themselves, Um, but also just diversity of ideas and perspectives, Mm -hmm. even, uh, places where we're still mostly dealing with, you know, uh, white men uh, yeah. the, is directors and, and writers. And there is more diversity and there is more diversity coming. And that's great. But even just from uh, George Lucas and then, you know, uh, some writers in the EU and, and Dave Filoni, there are definitely other voices. Um, but this new era going, well, what what does Star Wars mean to J.J. Abrams? What does the mm-hmm. Skywalker saga mean to uh, Ryan Johnson? Uh, you know, what is Dave Filoni gets to uh, reinvent, uh, kind of try to reintroduce uh, kids to Star Wars through Rebels? How does he do that? And it's not just diversity of, yes, you're literally getting people cast in the films who were didn't get to be main characters uh, before in that diversity, but also just diversity of perspective from all these different creators. You know, I'm highlighting uh, some of the big ones, but there's been so many now in the comics and the books and we know that we're getting even more uh diversity of takes on what does star wars mean to me and that that was highlighted in that disney gallery uh series so so well of people like rick fama us getting to say this is what it means to me this is what i felt when i was a kid and and deborah chow saying this is the element of star wars that i always love so that's what i'm going to focus on in mandalorian so we're getting just a a so much diversity in perspective on why star wars matters uh, and what parts of it people love from all of these different characters. Uh, I also think the the story of the sequel trilogy with all of the various fans up and downs about which which moments they like and what they don't, I think it's really powerful to have this part of Star, Star Wars that is so clearly about the old legends all happen. They're all true. The past is there. You cannot run away from it. It will come find you. But within that, the story of the sequel trilogy is the new characters. It's Rey and Kylo and Finn and Poe and Rose um, deciding how to take up the mantle because, mm-hmm. you know, the new matters just as much as the old. The, the future matters just as much as the past. And, you know, we, we have that story in the original trilogy. You know, Leia's already committed, but, you know, Luke and Han get to decide how they want to be a part of the making the future. Uh, and the the prequels are kind of a different thing because it's, you know, fate and destiny kind of leading to the original trilogy. But to have this new trilogy that is all about, hey, these adventures, these challenges are going to come to every generation. The original trilogy isn't just this, like, uh, untouchable text that exists in our real world. And that happened in the late 70s and the 80s, and that's the way it is. It's to have the sequel trilogy be yeah, the Force called to Anakin, the Force called to Luke, but now it's calling to you. Not just the character of Rey, the idea of you, the new generation, whoever you are. Uh, It's calling to you, Rey. It's calling to you, Finn. Uh, It's calling to you in its own way, Ben Solo. 
what are you going to choose to do? Opening it up to really emphasizing that this legend belongs to you too. Um, and, and I think along with that, it, to me, it goes back to the what is respecting the old about Star Wars is Lucas looking around, saying in interviews, like, I like all the, the whiz-bang, shoot-em-up adventure serial, and I kind of want to tell a story like that. But I also feel like everything's gritty and, and real uh, right now in cinema. And where are the myths? Where are the stories that kind of teach us who we want to be and what our culture is and, and challenge us to get out there and be a part of things? Where, where are those myths? We need a modern myth like that. And he created this modern myth that was insanely successful. And to me, it is a natural part of it that uh, new generations would take that myth that he created and let it evolve. And I think these, this first five years is the old myth has awakened and now new generations are going to take that myth and it's going to evolve. And in this weird way, George Lucas succeeded I think beyond his wildest dreams of not only did he get to tell his myth the way he wanted to, but now it's larger than him. You know, it's larger, just like real world myths are larger than the the poets who who wrote one story about uh, King Arthur or Thor. And then somebody else came along and was like, you know what, actually, I'm going to change that story for a new age. And it's happening to his myth. That's so powerful and so interesting. Mm, love that. We're going to option the rights on Thor. Yeah. Um, no, I love it. I love it. And, 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 you know, George, you know, especially early on, there seemed to be some grumpiness. I, I, I you know, I, I, he's not living in that grumpiness right now, other than maybe this is who he is at a, at a food court. That's my, still my favorite photo of George ever. Um, <laughs> maybe that's him, but you know, you know, he's going to have a, a close tie to it, but I, I think, I think if you really sat him down, he'd, he'd really be in line with what you're saying there, Joseph, of just, if it if it goes back to the core of Star Wars, the core of what he tried to do, which is uh, that that morality tale, the lesson for everybody, um, we can get caught up in the the what's in the house, uh, as long as it really keeps in line with that why. Uh, it, it's only going to get bigger and better. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you touched on this a little bit, but I want to be sure to talk about it. That um, in our journey doing this podcast, we've had a really great community of listeners at Force Center. Uh, but there, it's hard to talk about Star Wars in the fan community without acknowledging that there can be a lot of anger, a uh, lot of different strong opinions about Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker in particular. Um, and even positive things like I love Mandalorian can very quickly turn into I love Mandalorian, which proves why everything else is bad. Uh, yeah. Have you, uh, you talked a little bit about how you cope with that. Do, are there any positives that you have taken out of trying to... Uh, be critical, but still be positive in an environment where there is often a lot of negativity. I, I, you know, it's, it's always, it's every time is a lesson in let me list, try to listen first to just let people have their frustrations or anger. Um, I have to take that a lot, but as far as, you know, trying to toe the line, it's, it's, I don't know. I, it, it's authentic. And that's, that's the lesson. It is me. Uh, it is what I feel. I know it's what you feel too. Um, when the podcast turns off um, and uh, you know, you and I go in our ways during the day, there's probably always a point where I'm like, let me put on some star Wars. And I, cause I love it. And it's, and it's still me and I still want to grow. And I, 
you know, I, I want, I want people, I'd love people just to join us at this campfire and, and, and share these, uh, you know, share the lessons we've learned from this myth. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's been, it's, I'm in a weird spot. The last year has been a little weird. <laughs> yeah, no, so, I understand. I'm trying to go back a few years ago, but a lot, everything changed for me. You and I are talking about a lot of growth, but last Jedi changed me. Absolutely changed me. Cause I walked out of that and after seeing it, I needed, I needed to see it a second or third time. Um, Cause there were things on the surface I immediately loved and things that I, all of those, well, Luke's going to run into battle and fight the Knights of Ren and he's going to pull out a triple sided lightsaber <laughs> and all those things that are part of the fun of this. And I don't want anyone to think that we don't think that's part of the fun. We're doing it right now for Mandalorian season two. Um, but I remember thinking in a way, go with me here. None of that mattered. What mattered was the story that they told and what I can pull from that and apply to my life or just to the story. And so, and you're not going to, you're not going to connect to every aspect of what they're trying to tell. And you yeah. have to offer that too. And that's been part of my struggle in the last year too. I think a lot of people feel they need to be fulfilled by every little second of the character. And that's a great thought. I just don't think that's how art works, but, um, but again, I'll, I'll take anyone. I saw, I, I there was a thread, re, I, you know, a fallen order is, has a better story kind of thing. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but every reason was like, yeah, that spoke to you. The fallen order story spoke to you. And by the way, it's a good, it is a good story. Um, and I'm all here for those conversations. So it isn't all about getting in line with this line of thinking you want to be personally, you know, moved by the characters and the fact that I'm, I'm moved by Luke because I'm older now you know I moved yeah. by Han because Han I grew into Han and I didn't even know it not the good way so anyways I don't know if that answers it directly Joseph love to hear your thoughts but it's yeah uh, an interesting time <laughs> yeah no I think you're being honest that you know we are affected by the negativity as well and we process it and there are definitely times where uh I I am so I see something that makes me really, really angry. And my instinct is to <laughs> lash out uh, on social media or I, you know, I once or twice in person, I've gotten more grumpy and well, actually uh, with a person in person than I should. And then I have to really go like, that's not who I want to be. And it's yeah. hard. Um, but I think that's maybe the value of it for me of seeing how different it is when I see a thread and somebody going, here's what I really valued about Ray being no one. And, and here's why it, Rise of Skywalker doesn't work for me. And somebody lays it out for me, it's enriching. I don't even have to uh, uh, agree or disagree. It's just enriching to hear that other perspective. Mm -hmm. But then you see the angry tweets where the, the opinion is expressed with anger. And, and, and I go back to uh, <laughs> uh, Padme's wisdom in Attack of the Clones when you know she tells Anakin to be angry is to be human. I get it. Uh, anger is understandable. Um, parts of Star Wars that have made me angry. Uh, but just the how different it is to, to express an opinion with, I'm sharing what I think. I'm sharing what I feel. Versus literally lashing out in anger and saying, this movie is bad. J.J. Abrams is a bad and dumb person yeah. who's never seen Star Wars. You know, all the all that kind of stuff for me sometimes helps. It makes me upset, but it also helps me clarify, like having a different opinion is great and interesting and insightful. And so much of it is about how we choose to express that, you know, and I just it's a reminder for myself to just be like, don't lash out. Don't lash out because it's yeah. just shuts down communication, you know, yeah. saying it, this ahead. part of Star Wars didn't work for me. Did it work for you? Opens the door. You don't have to agree ever, 
But just saying, I like this part of Star Wars and this other part is stupid and you're dumb if you don't get that, that kind of ends a conversation. That shuts yeah. the door. One thing I had to learn, and I, I was questioning about this at the, at the, at the old job, um, where I, we'd, we'd sit down to do a book review and off air, I'd be like, ah, some of this didn't hit for me. And then on air, I'd, I'd talk about it. And then afterwards, I'd get questioned. i get pulled aside. But you didn't say any of that negative stuff on air. And I said, well, I did. I just chose to frame it in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Because then it does kind of become a real closed-door conversation, doesn't it? It does become a really one-way pundification. Is that a term? I don't know. It is now. <laughs> um, you know, and you you and I, well, you and I and, and Jennifer, too, but when you, especially when you and I get together, you and I see things a lot, and I learn a lot from you, Joseph, and so we can sometimes, like a little whirlwind, get up on and, 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 and tell you why Solo is one of the greatest Star Wars stories ever. You know what I mean? And I'm not even, you know, sure that's a hundred percent what we think, but just like you and I can feed off each other and it, it can might, might feel like it's one way, but it isn't. But, but when I go frame those conversations to the world, that's the thing I've learned more now than, than I did back in 2014, starting in Jedi Alliance, because yeah. I, would, I would make jokes and jokes are fine. I always say it's important to still laugh at Star Wars. But I would have I would put some stuff out there about the prequels and have some fans write me. And this is the earlier days where, you know, <laughs> a little more your DMs are a little bit more open or whatever. <laughs> and they would, hey, I love Jedi Lions. Love you and Maud. Man, you know, I, I was seven when I saw Phantom Menace. And I feel so you're making fun of my Star Wars. You're making fun of me. And to be like, oh, yeah, you no, you're right. You're right. I better frame this in a different way. Yeah. And, and, and to let them know that, no, 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 no. I do love it. I do love it. I just like, you know, you know, me and my friends speak in Star Wars quote. That's the worst mistake you'll ever make. You know, we love Luke saying that. And so it doesn't, we're not making fun of it. We're just saying it. So, but I had to learn. And so to go on some of these YouTube shows where everyone teaches you, 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 you uh, pound your fist <laughs> and, and say it as fact to open up a, a conversation because, you know, I felt we're engaging. I, one of the biggest compliments, one of the producers over at Collider, when you and I, you and I did a, a Mandalorian review, uh, came to me and said, you know, I had to switch that uh, booth. He was in the booth running the show. And he's like, it's the first time I've learned anything on one of our reviews in years. <laughs> I was like, Great. That's because Joseph and I like to lead this kind of conversation where we're open-ended to <laughs> things and we frame it in a, in, a, in a positive, that word again, positive. And so that's, that's one of the things I've, I've, I've learned too. Yeah, that's great. That's really great to hear. Um, I think the other thing that I've learned just from uh, age, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've learned, it's just age has brought me this wisdom. Um, it's starting to relate to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in, in A New Hope when like Luke gets starts to get mad and say, we don't have to listen to this. I'm, I could, we can buy a ship. And he just gently sets him down. Uh, that sometimes the anger washes over me because it's just like, this has happened before and it will happen again and it will pass. The one that just like I, I had a split second of anger and then I just had to laugh for years, Ken, years and years. I have seen the Star Wars joke. Somebody will put on Facebook. I showed my kids the whole Star Wars trilogy, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. There are no other Star Wars movies and my kids loved it. And, you know, a hundred likes because yeah, the prequels suck. Like I've seen that for so long. And after all these years, Ken, I finally saw the exact same joke, except for the films that were omitted were the sequels. 
Exact same. I, I showed my kids the entire Skywalker saga, starting with Phantom Menace and ending with Return of the Jedi. There are no other Skywalker saga films. And I just had to laugh because it's like, yeah, some of this is just us being humans. And it's just, <laughs> you know, this too shall pass. It has happened before. It will happen again. You and I have lived through Star Wars, uh, you know, main trilogy ending three times. Yes. And, you know. You never know what's going to happen next. So true. Uh, anything, uh, we talked a lot about celebrating uh, kind of the way that we look at Star Wars and uh, the way we kind of handle uh, watching it in the fan community. Anything specific to the Force Center uh, podcast that you wanted to mention as we begin to wrap up here? Yeah, we're wrapping up here. Uh, I just love the community around us. You know, we're, we've been around. I think a lot of folks know us from other things we've done or followed us and grown with us here. and. We are, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say smaller, like uh, we are, we are tight community, you know, um, quite frankly, I'll say it, we would get more clicks or views or listens if we were like, here's 32 reasons why Mandalorian sucks. That's the work that's <laughs> was rewarded, but we choose to celebrate Star Wars and look at Star Wars deeper. And, and those that are here on the journey, I can't tell you, it's like a family and we know a lot of the names, you know, we see the questions pop up and and uh our discord is real fun just you know even there's sometimes little pop little little bits of disagreement there's never been a super 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 big problem a couple times i've popped in just be like all right jar jar steady steady now (laughs) but we all are in there to be like let's all work towards one goal this is some fun stuff and we we all might get there a little differently but it's great so that's been the biggest thing bar none yeah yeah, that's great. Uh, I, and I totally agree with that. I think for me, the thing that I really want to be sure to highlight is uh, I think I understood intellectually like, yeah, everybody's going to have a different uh, point of view on Star Wars, particularly, you know, depending on where you start uh, is a big, big part of that that frames what you think Star Wars should be. You know, if you started by reading uh, Air to the Empire and that's Star Wars to you and then you went and watched those movies, that's going to change how you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh but to get to really hear from specific fans from all sorts of different perspectives of every kind uh, and realize how powerful uh, that idea is and how powerful it is to be able to start from that uh, point of view of tell me what you like in Star Wars and, and tell me where you started. Tell me why you like that, you know, and to so understand uh, other people's journey and then just gets to be able to make all of the Star Wars experience richer uh, for me, you know, and that goes to something as, as, uh, as clear as your love of the Imperials or your love of the Y-Wing or Jennifer's love of uh, the Ewoks. But our listeners, like, um, there's so many examples, but one that just sticks with me, one of the episodes of uh, from a certain point of view, her favorite point of view uh, that I did, uh, a listener wrote in and in, in talked about how much Attack of the Clones means to him because he was going through a hard time and he and I believe his uncle watched it every day and it was their thing that gave them hope and joy and centered their life in a difficult time. And I think about that all the time. And I have hundreds of moments like that because of the listeners that like whatever, you know, your opinion might be on Star Wars uh, you know, however passionately you might hold it, just have to always remember that to somebody else, this part of Star Wars might be just their anchor, you know, their joy. 
and that uh, knowing that all those perspectives are out there and that we have a community of people who are, you know, trying to approach it that way and be open to it that way is uh, like one of the best parts of this whole journey for me. Totally. Agree. Excellent. Looking forward. Our final question uh, on our five years of awakening. Where do we want Star Wars to be five years from now in 2025, Ken? What, what's your dream? Well, I'd like to have one movie released in the theater. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll figure that one out. Um, I, for me, it will be it, 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 we are going roads. We don't need roads. Uh, we are going to unforeseen uh, story, not just what we're seeing on screen, but we just won't know because you know, if you're 20, if you're 20 when Force Awakens came out and you were in film school, you're 25 now and maybe you're starting to get write scripts or you're starting to get jobs, you're going to be influenced by what you saw during that era. Maybe you're 18, maybe you're 15 and you're 20 and you're getting to film school right now. Uh, I think the next five years, you're going to see an even newer generation of Star Wars performers and storytellers and writers and filmmakers and I can't even imagine what they're going to tell. And yeah. I love that. And that's the thing I learned right away from Force Awakens was I had my story and it still exists. And I'm, if I'm part of this one now. It's just in a different capacity. And let's move forward together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, to really think about it that way of like who grew up with The Force Awakens for for people who that that is their touchstone, you know, is uh, Star Wars by 2025 going to have like really nostalgic beats of uh, jokes about Rathars, you know, right? Yeah, that's that's the natural evolution. It's it's what's going to happen. That's really uh, exciting. Uh, I think a couple things I hope for is uh, when Force Awakens came out, and and was the trailer was advertising it to me it was about as i've said multiple times on this podcast it was about nostalgia it was about that old ancient thing that you thought would never come back it has reawakened and that was a, a part of the power that was a part of the literal story of the sequel trilogy for myself i feel like now we need the next step i hope that the next big uh, on the screen in the cinema uh star wars story is just alive with its new it's back on screen and it's back on screen in a way that you could have never imagined because i think that's what this generation needs to hear that's what needs to be the next step of the evolution of this myth uh so i think if the the key line of the force awakens was it's true all of it uh i think this one should be like you never expected to see this in star wars and yet it somehow makes perfect sense within Star Wars. So yeah. that's kind of my hope for the, it to truly be reborn on the big screen. And then everything looks like it's going in this great direction for me on Disney+. Plus. I hope in 2025, it's just accepted that there's this thriving, uh, you know, uh, streaming verse of different Star Wars ideas. Sometimes it's a one shot like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Maybe Mandalorian is on you know, uh, whatever advanced season that would be at that point, uh, season six, uh, finally getting those answers. Um, you know, whatever Leslie Headland is cooking up is, is going great. And things that we haven't even imagined are, are happening. Uh, Dave Filoni is just wrapping up his Ezra and Thrawn versus Pergletown <laughs> animated yeah. series. But the big picture to me, the triumph of that is that we've talked about Star Wars being a buffet of there's so many different ideas to it. You can just, you can, uh, Take your solo and you can leave your Gungans if that's what you want or vice versa. Um, and I'm hoping in five years, it's just going to be the triumph of the buffet of, 
ah, I wasn't interested in Kenobi, so I didn't watch it. But man, Cassian Andor is some of my favorite Star Wars ever, and that we can get to that place of there's a little something for everybody uh, in Star Wars. Love it. Love it. The triumph of the buffet. The triumph of the buffet. We'll uh, we'll pin that to our dream board and hope that it all comes true. Uh, that is our big look at uh, five years of awakening, both the Force Awakens really coming into our lives, and uh, you and I and Jennifer and all of our listeners going on this journey with this very podcast. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use hashtag Force Center. Join the conversation. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots, including now Amazon Music. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Uh, Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us. And by the way, that's something that was uh, came about halfway through this journey for us. Um, it, it means a lot. Your support, uh, direct support like that is, is absolutely uh, kept this show going, uh, and we really appreciate that. Uh, we want to uh, highlight our own stuff. I also want to highlight our, our pal Jennifer Landa. You know, the the uh, second Padawan came along and uh, kind of made talking Star Wars a little bit uh, more difficult, but we talked to Jen often. Uh, she is, is rare to get back involved in some way, and, and, and she is very much part of this team and part of the success. So make sure you follow her. At Jennifer Landa or on on TikTok at Jennifer Landa eleven eleven three eight. You can follow me <laughs> at Ken Napsuck or go to uh, my website uh, kennapsuck.com for all the things I do there. And uh, you, Joseph. Yeah, yeah, that is all great and all echoed. We could not continue to do this, and certainly could not continue to do this at the volume uh, we do without the support of listeners. Uh, so thank you all so much for that. Uh, you can find my other comedy adventures on my website at josephsgrimshaw.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw uh, for myself, for Ken, for Jennifer, for the spirit of awakening. This has been Force Center. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.